Hello, and welcome to the Conscious Hoofbeat podcast. This is a podcast that explores the interconnectedness of our health and the health of our horses through self-care, mindfulness, and personal development, along with a little equine wisdom and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Pamela Maynard. I'm a published author and researcher, equine body worker, energy facilitator, and I am passionate about deepening our connection with horses. If you want a more meaningful relationship with your horse, it starts within yourself. So don't forget to go to ConsciousHoofBeat.com and sign up for our exclusive email list to get the Conscious Hoofbeat Monthly and start your inner journey today. So today I am bringing you the second episode uh, in the Woo Woo Horse Care series. Last month we got to learn about homeopathy from Dr. Heike Young, and today I'm honored to have Lindsay Mandarin from Laramie, Wyoming, to join me in this second conversation where we're going to learn um, about equine body work through the lens of a Masterson Method certified practitioner. So Lindsay uses various modalities to keep herself in competition when an athlete. So as she developed her training program, she saw a need to add body care to the mix to maximize the outcome with the horses. Everything really took place for Lindsay with her mare, Cassie, who was given to her with the bad reputation of being the crazy curly. Pleased with the drastic changes physically, mentally, and emotionally that others also saw, she delved deeper into the Masterson Method program and created her own business. Now, Lindsay has a diverse toolbox and travels around Wyoming and surrounding states to provide the horses, to provide for the horses while focusing on the body's form and various functions with a simple and practical tune. Thank you, Lindsay, for joining me today. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. How is the weather today in Laramie? Um, It's a little cold, but it's actually like clear blue skies and sunny, so I will not complain. (laughs) Right. Um, Well, I'm glad you uh, had a break in your busy schedule to um, join us today, so thank you. Uh, I like to just dive right in. Mm-hmm. And um, first, tell us, you could tell us a little more about yourself if you want to, if I didn't cover it all in your intro, about maybe a little bit about your background with horses and, and how long you've been loving horses and how you found the Masterson Method. So for me, I started my addiction at the age of two with some Percherons that my dad connected with me me with. And it's funny because now he wonders why I got into horses. And it's like, you caused that, my friend. Right. That. <laughs> um, no, I, I, was, I blame my dad for buying me the, the um, Black Stallion series, the Walter Farley Black yeah. Stallion books. I'm like, you started this. <laughs> That's funny. Exactly. Um, and so I started with just like my cousin's horses, my friend's horses, doing some like low level 4-H stuff, nothing really serious. And then we moved to Colorado from Iowa and there I got involved with like volunteering with rescues, um, 
worked a lot there. And honestly, I kind of got burned out of it with some of the rescues that I was with. They just weren't very relationship-based, which was unfortunate, um, and kind of lost my way. And then I refound it later on. But so it's actually kind of been, I've wanted to do it, but a lot of the normalcy in the industry kind of kept me away from it and protected me, which is awesome. Um, and then I was an athlete in high school and you name it, I have done it to my body. <laughs> um, I'm hypermobile myself. And so I have a lot of body work growing up and I used to see an osteopathic clinic um, and they do a lot of like really light myofascial cranial sacral work with me and my body was super responsive. And I used to tell the one lady, I called her magic hands. And I said, if I could do what she did, but on horses, I would be happy. That's what I wanted to do. Um, and so when I found Masterson Method, um, it really resonated with me. At first, I thought it was a bunch of hullabaloo. Um, I was watching the YouTube videos, and I was like, oh, my God, there's no way that horse is sedated. Wait, no, it is <laughs> Wait. And so I went from being a complete skeptic and going, what the, to out in the barn in about 20 minutes playing with a horse that I never should have really been playing with because he had quite a bit. So I was set up to fail there with my beginner's luck, though I was successful, which is actually the case for a lot of people with Masterson. And I think that's why it has picked up pop popularity is because it does work and you don't have to be a pro. Um, you're not going to do any harm if you do what the horse tells you to do. Um, and that's really cool. So then I got Cassie and Cassie was a hot mess. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I actually started out with just training Cassie. And then I continued um, with her later on. She was actually given to me. I was one of the few people that could get along with her. Um, and I had created a reputation that I wouldn't back down in doing what I thought was best for her with what she informed me of. Um, and Cassie was, has cataracts that impact her vision and she managed very well. Um, she has some joint stuff going on in different places. She had a saddle that never fit. Um, she had been neglected with her dentistry for years and years and years. Mm. So there was just a lot of things going on there. And I actually kind of pieced it together and just chose the fact, like chose the route of not ticking her off more um, in my training, <laughs> which then later on we ended up finding things like the one eye is worse for her vision-wise, which is why she prefers me to be on the right side for mounting rather than the left. Um, things like that, the dentistry, and then the fact that she has a really low palate led to my tack choices and getting her teeth fixed and stuff like that. But there were reasons for all these behaviors that I was seeing. And so Cassie very much so <laughs> shaped this. Um, she still does. She gets regular body work with me on about a six week schedule. Um, still. And honestly, I feel like I've knocked years off of my mare's life and I'm not the only one that thinks that if you were to look at her, you'd say the same. Um, so that's pretty cool to see. But everybody started seeing this mare that was the fire-breathing dragon that a lot of them were scared of mm -hmm. turn into this nice mare for me. And they never really saw me at the barn. Like I'd take her into the arena occasionally for turnout, but it's not like I was in there lunging her in tight circles every day um, or anything like that. So a lot of people were like, wait, what? And I wasn't hauling her. <laughs> and it really got the attention of the barn where I'm at, which was great because by then I was already in my field work of the masters and method. And they were like, oh, you need case study horses here. <laughs> um, 
because I started the journey for Masterson for her and I went to the five day for her. Um, and when I was done with it, I was like, well, I might as well get certified for Cassie too. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I love it. It's the truth though. I was like, well, there's a few more things. I'm already halfway there. I'll just do it for Cassie. <laughs> That's beautiful. That's beautiful that you were willing to do all that for your horse, but it's also beautiful how the universe just lines things up and brings you other horses right. and how it grew organically. That's awesome. And one thing I want to point out that you mentioned that, you know, comes up occasionally and I, I feel so passionate about it. I'm going to reiterate what you just said about how this isn't just a, like one thing fixes all. Like mm -hmm. it was the saddle, it was the dentistry, <laughs> it was the Masterson method. It's like you have to have lots of tools in your box to create right. health with these animals. So I acknowledge mm -hmm. you for being open to all that. And thank you for sharing your story about Cassie. So I'm, I'm a certified equine body worker in several modalities, including myofascial releases and lots of energy work and cranial sacral and massage. And I'm like, I've always wanted to know what exactly is the Masterson method because <laughs> I, I don't know how to define it and maybe there isn't a way to define it. Maybe you have to experience it and, and see it in action, but the best you can, can you explain to us what exactly is the Masterson method? Well, I think you nailed it. Everybody wants to put it in a box. Is it chiropractic? Is it massage? Is it energy? And it's none of them and all of them at the same time. Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Um, and Jim Masterson, what he did was he started working as a groom and he was watching all of the different modalities being done and he was watching the horse's responses and he basically melded it. And so there are components of myofascial release. There are components of range of motion work. There are components of massage. Um, you know, there's the energy component too. And so the Masterson method, it simply is something that you kind of have to experience. The cool thing is you can experience it. You can do it yourself too, to kind of get started. And you might be way off base. Everybody's like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. That's fine. Just try um, to follow the simple principles of working with the horse and reading the responses and then staying until you get a release. Um, we call it search for response and then you stay until you get a release. So we call it SRSR. Um, and you can do that with a lot of things like the bladder meridian is a great one um, to do that with. Um, and there's YouTube videos there too. So, um, so I'm going to, I'm going to interject with you here for yeah. a second. So what I tell my clients is it's all about intention, you know, cause I'll teach gotcha. them some things to do in between sessions and I'll be like, you know, rub the K 27s, the K 27s are the master association points. And they're like, well, am I in the right spot? And it's like, well, you, you know, you're in the general area and if, if your intention is to rub the k27 then you will rub the k27 and i teach the bladder sweeps also and and they're so important because every cell in the body has a bladder and i always tell them nothing else just do your bladder sweeps and again about intention about creating health <laughs> for your your horse and and you can't you can't hurt them by doing it Right. So, the only uh, way that um, anything could happen is if you highlight something that was already there <laughs> um, in the healing process of them compensating and hiding it like the prey animals do. Um, you know, intent is a great thing. And I've 
had some really interesting developments there in my relationships with the horses. Like they know my intent is to be there as a body worker. And if they are triaging their body, they're not going to like me very much. And it comes very clear, very quick. Um, and I've actually sent those horses off to the vet without really doing much of anything to them because I could just read them and know that they knew what I was there for and they were not cool with it. Um, and then the other part of the intent is intent is a powerful thing. And that is one thing with Masterson is we are taught that they might brace to our intentions too. Um, so that would be an example of like the one mirror that I just talked about where I sent her to the vet. Um, if I walk in and I'm like, wow, your pole is really locked up. I'm going to hammer away your pole. Or I'm going to really hope that we can really move that pole today. We can get help it relax. We can help it move smoothly. They're not going to let me near their pole. <laughs> mm -hmm. Not to the degree that I want. And so with Masterson, that's been a big like switch in my uh, mindset too, is not just like fixating on one thing, but rather approaching and facilitating as much as can happen um, with that intent of being a safe place and safe human for them. Yeah, that's beautiful. You, you have to come to the table as a safe human. Yes, to, it's definitely. How you, it's how you show up for the horse. Yeah, mm -hmm. I love that. I always, I always say that. I feel like I'm a, I preach about it, but like, you know, how we show up for our horses or we have to learn to show up for them. Some people don't mm -hmm. show up for their, their animals. And then when we show up for them in a certain manner, then they will show up for us, right? And that's when the horse right. le lets you, you know, release their tension and help them heal. And I think that was key with Cassie. You know, I showed up and I did things very differently and I actually let her have some input and she ran with that. <laughs> uh, she became very sassy, very communicative, but it wasn't always just pure sass and bad sass. It was, it's quite fun. And I know that the moment that she stops telling me about things is the moment that I'm going to have an issue. Well, so I was yeah and i always say like the horses are talking it's just are we yes. listening so this exactly. bad behavior isn't because the horse is bad it's because they're trying to communicate something to you right and yes. and also i feel that you were able to build trust with cassie right you mm -hmm. took that mare and connected with her on a deeper level that nobody else had ever done yes yeah. <laughs> and and i think that's the cool thing about body work. I mean, I know we're talking about the Masterson method and, and it mm -hmm. is, a, it's a unique interactive method of equine body work and, but it helps build trust with the horse. Can you elaborate on that a little more? So I build relationships with horses and I choose to make them positive, right? So um, when you constantly ask them, can your body do this? Can you let this go? And they say, eh, that's a little hard. It's all about how I adjust myself to make it easier with them. And in doing so, that makes it easier for them to trust and that progress is built. Um, and there's a lot more to the topic of trust too. Like um, there are horses that, you know, they come see me and they get zonked out and they <laughs> are higher than a kite and they're in just pure bliss. Um, I'm not going to set them up to do that right before a barrel race. No, right, right. <laughs> I have been asked. Um, and, you know, to me, it's very rude to try to do that with them. And it undermines my relationship of, no, I'm going to do this and you're going to be in a safe spot and here's where you go and, you know, everything like that. So there's a lot of different components to the trust. But the big one is the fact that, you know, I do adjust my approach with what they say. And it's subtle, 
um, and what they say usually. If it's big, then, you know, obviously that's pretty obvious, but it kind of fascinates people how quickly I can fine tune what the horse is saying. And really, I can get to such a deep level and like not necessarily deep level in their body, but I get to know the horses in about 30, 45 minutes. I'm not even done with the session yet. And I know their personalities to a T like their owners do that have known them for six years. And I absolutely love that about my job, but I think it's because of the communication that that forms and it is the trust. I think that's a, um, I want to call it a, a gift, but it's really like an awareness that you're able mm-hmm. to do that. And the fact that you're, you know, you're, you have this awareness around it is why you can accomplish that in such a short amount of time. I feel right. there are people that have had horses their whole lives and still don't have that awareness around that relationship with their horse and still lack that, that trust factor. So yeah, that's really beautiful. Personally, I think a lot of those people, and I'm not trying to call anybody out here cause offense, I think they don't trust themselves enough too. I think oh, deep down they know it. Absolutely. But in the barn, you know, you have you have like the Karen and then the Lisa and then you know, you have all these people telling you different things mm-hmm. and it gets hard to listen to your own t- intuition. So I do think like if anybody listens to this, I hope you really think about what you know deep in your gut, because you're not wrong. Um, and that's been a key part of this too, is the trust. Yeah. I always tell my customers, I'm like, you know, your horse better than anyone else. Right. Yes. But it's really about knowing yourself. Like you said, trusting yourself. That's why I'm such an advocate for inner work for horse people, because if you're not doing your own inner work, right, we don't show up. We don't have the trust factor. We don't have the awareness. We're not listening to our inner guidance system and it just builds, right? All of that builds on your relationship with your horse, your horsemanship. And when you don't do that underlying work, you're not going to have it, have what you need in the areas with your horse. Exactly. I think horses know what you know and know what you don't know. And that's been commonly said, but I think it comes out too in a lot more avenues than what we give credit to. And so I think if you're like in a confliction over training and we'll do, I, I think something's wrong, but I don't think something's wrong. I need to train it out of them. I think they know that you're conflicted. Mm -hmm. Um, Or I think they know that when you're like, well, I need to do this method, this technique, but it doesn't feel right. And I think that's when people really start kind of getting lost and that's okay. um, And owning that it's okay. But I think for them, if you just admit to them, even as yourself in the moment, like, well, I don't really know what's going on. (laughs) I don't know how I feel about this. You get a lot clearer of a view um, and that trust, which is why I'm saying this. Um, than if you just kind of fake it till you make it. <laughs> right, right. So it's really what I'm hearing you say, and, and this is my words, but taking a step back, taking mm-hmm. a moment to look within and allow yourself to process what's going on. And we, we're always, we're from a society of like instant gratification. You know, <laughs> yeah. we want to be like left rein, right rein, left leg, right leg, fix it. And it's, all, it's not that simple all mm-hmm. the time my process is always take a step back and to soften. So mm. in some way, shape or form, I need to pause and I need to soften. And, and that soft, soften cool. in, into your heart, right? Out mm-hmm. of your head and into your heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Beautiful. 
You are a very wise young woman, Miss Lindsay. <laughs> I am really enjoying this conversation. Well, thank you. I feel, <laughs> I feel like you, you and I speak the same language. I love it. I love it. Yes. Enough. I think we're definitely on the same page. So, um, Masterson methods about improving performance and communication mm -hmm. and your relationship with the horse and you, we've already touched on that, right? On some level, mm -hmm. do you want to elaborate on that a little more? So like the performance side of things, it is a bodywork modality. Um, we are trying to help movements occur without restrictions. Um, we're trying to look for fluidity of movements. Um, we're trying to get things to unlock that are holding a joint in place. Um, a lot of horses, like your body is very much so fulcrum based and it's like little levers and rubber dudes on winches is what one of my mentors calls it. And it's like a pulley system, right? So we want to have like everything be in harmony and not necessarily one thing really not moving because then somewhere else it's not going to move either. And, um, that's a big factor there. Uh, all of our movements are performance need based, all of our techniques and um, yeah, all the techniques are performance need based. So like we'll do several different things with the shoulders and it's all designed around how the shoulder is supposed to move as an athlete, um, which I think sometimes gets a little left out in the crowd because it is so like, people think it's very energetic and there is the energy component, right? Like the horse knows what I'm there for. They know my intent. They know who I am. They, if I had bad vibes, they would tell me. Right. Um, <laughs> if I'm not focused on them, I might as well not even show up. Um, and so, you know, there is the energy component, but oftentimes it gets chalked up for being woo-woo. And that's been a big focus of mine, especially here in the cowboy state is, no, I'm here for your performance needs uh, as well as everything else. Like, um, it's not just about the performance because you can't fake it till you make it with performance either. If your horse is stressed to the high heavens, you're not going to be very successful in the arena or out of the arena. Um, but it's all of it. And so that's been a big thing is it's not just me doing energy work on the horse to make them feel the magic. It's literally to help them feel better in their body to do their job in life. Um, Otherwise, like it does deepen the communication. <laughs> uh, the bladder meridian is my go-to for owners that struggle to be on the same page with the horse. I still go back to it. I don't use it very often in my sessions, but if I'm really struggling with a horse that I feel like we're on the same page, then we're not, then we're on the same page, then we're not, I go right back to that as square one to try to build that report with them. Um, and I think that's a key thing. And in building the performance needs and helping them feel better more like less discomfort. And in doing that, you're actually playing with the nervous system too, to help them soothe, um, which I, that is a whole can of worms. So we're going to that one real quick. Oh, well, <laughs> I think that finish what you're saying. Cause that's going to be a good yes. segue to my next question. We'll go there. But, <laughs> um, you know, so if you're helping them feel better in their body, you are one lowering their like, you're changing how they are so they're in a softer place and they feel a lot better, like happier, they're not stressed. Um, but you're also building that relationship of, look, I'm somebody that makes you feel good. And that's a key thing. And like my history with training Cassie, I would not have been so successful with her if she didn't also know me as a safe spot with her body work. Um, and I think horses also, they know what you know and they know what you don't know, right? But that means that they know that you don't know this, but you hired somebody that does. 
Um, and there are some horses where I refer out to other practitioners and I come back and our relationship is tenfold. Do I think it's necessarily the fact that they fixed everything? No. I think the horses know that I helped them in that way as a stepping stone and they appreciate that, like they feel seen and heard. Um, so there's a lot of different components to the Masterson method. The description is great and it fits, but it often leaves people very confused about what it is and we want to put it in a box right we want to check it off our to-do list we want to compartmentalize it and you can't well i think so, it's like it's you know it's it's equine body work it is a right. mo modality and a method of its own and i've had issues with people understanding what body work is because they do get <laughs> so caught up in all they know is massage and chiropractic i mean like Great. I was standing in front of a, a customer who I'd been doing body work on her horse and, and the trainer, and she's telling the trainer, I think he needs a massage. Do you know any massage therapists? And I was like, um, hello. Like, <laughs> but they're like, but you just do body work. We need a massage. And they don't right. under, understand what integrative approaches are and that it's not just, oh, a massage is going to fix this horse. Like you cannot take years of stress and stiffness and fix it in 60 minutes that along with you know improper nutrition uh ill-fitted saddles and you know right improperly done dentistry like it doesn't work that way but doing doing a couple sessions and getting your your horse on the road to to mm -hmm. health it, it's it's a great place to start i'm trying not to go off on a tangent but like okay. you say, like everybody wants to put it in a box and it's like we need to start accepting that equine body work is equine body work and there's so right. much involved in that um well, go ahead i don't know about you but for me body work i have to explain the definition of that um and it's become kind of a marketing ploy for some people right so i explain that it's basically manual therapy largely um, associated with the body that helps the body work better because <laughs> uh, I'm kind of point blank like that. But, you know, massage, chiropractic, osteopathy, craniosacral, energy work, Reiki, uh, acupressure, acupuncture, PEMF, TENS, all of it, microcurrent. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. there are so many different things there and it all constitutes as body work. Okay. And some of it I would say is a lot more body work than other parts of it. <laughs> um, personally, which is hard and I try not to have that assumption of other therapies, but there are lots of tools. KT taping is part of my practice. Red lights are part of my practice. I don't necessarily keep consider those body work. So um, that's just my personal opinion, but they are tools in my body work practice because they help the body as needed. And I think a lot of people get tripped up over that. Like what is the difference between me and massage, massage therapist? What is the difference between you and chiropractic? And there's, I, can't even begin to explain how the similarities and differences. The difference too is the fact that I do think so integrative, you know, and Cassie's proof of that. Let's look at the teeth, let's look at the feet, let's look at the diet. Let's, are we building a nice hoof by our diet? Are we not? Mm -hmm. um, what role are ulcers playing in this factor? Do, has the vet diagnosed ulcers? Yes, they have. Okay, well, that's part of my factors that I have to then consider and play with. Um, you know, your tack fit, your, your bridle and your bit fit, not just your saddle. Yeah, well, and, um, and, and the emotional health, you know, yes. is, the, is the horse health happy where they're living? Are they near a friend? Are they all alone? Are they stuck in a stall? Do they get turnout? Do they get free choice grass hay? Or do they get one flake of alfalfa fed, you know, at eight and right. four? There's so much yep. 
involved, but I don't know. I don't know one equine body worker that only does one modality. I just, <laughs> I don't. Right. Like, I mean, maybe there's some people that are only trained in massage, but what ends up happening is they end up adding more tra- <laughs> trainings and more tools to their toolbox because they know it's not a one size fits all. I, a joke that is worse than like the blanket or like the pad collection that we all get or um, the horse collection that they have because you can't just start and stop. And like myself, I don't, I've done six anatomy classes. Okay, and that's just anatomy. I've done saddle fit classes. I've done KT taping. I've done red light stuff. I've done massage stuff. I've done myofascial stuff. I've done the masters of method. I've done stuff with surefoots. You know, I've done so many different things and I don't plan on stopping. <laughs> right. And I don't think right. anybody really does. And so, you know, it's kind of hard to put it all in a box and be like, here, this is all you do. <laughs> well, you know, I, the last training I took, I, I asked the doctor that was doing the certification and it, it was in um, bioenergy analysis, but it was so much more. It was like a 10 day mm-hmm. intensive and we covered color therapy and homeopathy and you know, all sorts of things. And at the end of the training, I'm like, so what do we call this? And he said, you take it and you make it your own. And that's, that's what Mr. Masterson did. He just took it and, you know, branded it and marketed it and, you know, is training other people. But I have no intention of doing that. But I still find like, when you go out and you're working and your hands on and you just use that inner guidance system, like mm-hmm. that's why I love the energy work so much is like the horse tells you, right. And if you just right. let the horse guide you and the, the energy work, you can't like, I can't call that something specific. I'm just doing energy work. So, and people have a hard time understanding that as well. So that's right. when, you just don't even call it energy work. <laughs> you call it body work because they understand that more than energy work. Yes. And, and it all goes back to this is why I'm doing this podcast because I want to educate people. And when I call it the Woo Woo Horse Care Series, it's really a, just a play on words because this stuff really isn't woo woo. It's like <laughs> we're becoming more and more mainstream and it's, it's really for people who are capable of um, thinking outside the box and who want to help their horse on be healthy. And the path to, to health is not, you know, a one thing. And it's not a finite destination either. And I think that's a key thing to think about too. You know, we can be healthier and healthier and healthier and make that progress, but there's not, there's not an inbox that we get to check off. (laughs) <laughs> either right, right. It's, um, I, I have a friend whose horse has been recently diagnosed with ulcers and it's like okay so she she chose to do do the um, western medicine route right for the first 20-30 days with the ulcer guard but then it's like that if that's not it's not over then how are you this horse is obviously prone to it he must mm-hmm. you know be more prone to stress and blah, blah, blah. So let's come up with a maintenance program after the ulcer guard heals him and does his job. But how are we going to manage and maintain this horse the rest of his life? Right. Those lifestyle changes that we all think are great ideas and we want to execute, but then we drop off the bandwagon pretty quick. (laughs) Well, yeah, I have have another friend. She just says people are lazy. You know, I get criticized for my commitment and some of the stuff I do for my Mm -hmm. animals but I don't have any vet bills. 
like the biggest yes. vet, vet bills I've had in the last 10 years have been for euthanasia and everything dies eventually. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I, it's, it's prevention. Like it, and I don't know, I, I don't know why people don't always see it that way. And, but like my girlfriend says, she's like, people are just lazy. They're just mm-hmm. lazy. She has a corgi that, you know, corgi or not corgis, um, a Yorkie and they're prone to teeth issues. And so the vet recommended when she got this puppy to make his food every week. Right. And she does that and people don't, don't want to. I'm like, I get that. I don't even like cooking for myself, but guess, <laughs> guess what? You know, the Yorkie doesn't have any teeth problems and he's, you know, going on six years old now and it pay, it pays off in the long run. I do. A, I, I make mashes every morning for my horses and put their supplements and count their, mm-hmm. I cut up organic carrots and I count it so that everyone <laughs> gets the same amount of pieces. And it's not because they're spoiled and getting carrots. Like, Carrots have a lot of health benefits that helps them, you know, yes. like, and it, and it's not, um, no, it's not easy, but it's what I call prevention. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm on a tangent again, Lindsay. No, that's okay. Like I will say Cassie, my 25 year old mare, right. And I got her and she has lameness issues because she is old. She's arthritic. She was ridden. She was the definition of put away wet. Um, a lot of her life, but then she was also like a weekend warrior um, for like six weeks out of the year for hunting season, basically. So she'd sit and sit and sit, and then he'd go and shoot off of her and pack out elks and up and down the mountains with her, and that was really hard on her body. Plus, ill-feeling saddle, not her knowing how to use her body correctly, you know, tangent. Sure. But sure. Um, she has a lot of stuff, and the thing is, is Cassie cost me, what is it, 40 bucks a month for her supplement, which is like a ration balancer supplement on a bed of Timothy pellets every day um, with some table salt and some magnesium and that balances out her diet pretty well. She's on um, joint eds basically like joint supplements um, and then like I could maybe inject her but she's 25 and she's basically retired. Mm-hmm. She lives out the semi-retired life with me. Um, she's on a track system so she moves around all day. She eats 24-7. Um, not 24-7. She has access to hay 24-7. Right, um, right. Which I think is a key thing there. They shouldn't want to eat all the time. Um, and yeah, I've, pe- I've, I've had people say, "Oh, my horse will just pig out if I free feed him," and I'm like, "I've yeah, not, no. I've not <laughs> had one horse yet that didn't learn to regulate themselves." And right. sometimes, sometimes they need a little help with a, a slow feeder. Sometimes they need a a greedy slow, you know, greedy horse slow feeder. But I've mm-hmm. not had one yet that that didn't learn to regulate themselves. So right. Uh, but so you're, and your mare is ha- healthy and happy, isn't she? <laughs> yes. Right? Um, yes. Nope. And like, I can't even tell you the last time I called out the vet for her. It was at least a year and a half ago. Because um, she's all up to date on everything. I have a dentist that, that sees her on a six week, six month schedule with me, but we usually do her about 12 months just to make sure because she's starting to erupt her nines. Um, so she's starting to lose some teeth because she's old. Um, and like she lives on the facility of my barefoot trimmer. Um, some of my mare is completely barefoot. Um, she's the most sure-footed thing I'll ever meet, which is hilarious because she's blind, like not completely blind, but she's cataracts, which cataracts makes it easier to see in long distance and up close. It's like foggy and weird and she cannot see much down low or above her head, um, from what I've been able to gather. But my mare, she knows. And so if I try to get her to walk in a puddle that's about six inches wide, she will miss it on purpose um 
but you know, she walks around on hills every day and she moves around and her feet are trimmed. And I really don't have a lot of these issues with her. And I do have some issues, but my marriage is pretty low maintenance compared to a lot of my clients. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful for that. I wonder why <laughs> and what we're doing management wise that's different. And I can tell you there's a whole slew of things and Cassie's been put in the position she has for her longevity by myself. Um, and we're going to hope that stays that way. I'm not too egotistical to say that, you know, there might be issues there too. My mare's more likely to slip on ice. It just is the fact of life for where she's at. There are pros to having them in a stall. And I'm not immune to saying that she thinks that she misses her stall. I guarantee it. Um, and I think that is because of the vision. So Mm -hmm. her attitude has actually gotten a little bit worse since I moved her out to this facility, but it's kind of funny how that happens. She lets me know. Um, and I think she liked her stall being a homebody, but (laughs) in terms of holistic health, yeah, I, I have a horse. He likes to go in at night, um, but he likes to be out during the day and he doesn't get to go in at night all the time. But he, there are times we had some, if it's real windy or something, he stands at the gate. He's like, for the love of God, would you please put me in? <laughs> but, but, the, but by the next morning, he's like, okay, I'm ready to come out. Mm-hmm. So it's about finding balance. You know, it Definitely. really is. And we always can't have the perfect balance. So before I go off on another tangent, you can tell I get a little bit fired up about some of this. That's okay. <laughs> um, I want to come back to we were talking about the horse's nervous system. Right, let's talk about the horse's nervous system and, and how the horse actively participates in the process of body work. Right. So I will tell you that for me, myself, and I, I did a little study last year because I was a student at UW. And part of my senior year was doing um, a research study. And basically, I wanted to prove that doing the bladder meridian lowered the heart rate um, and set the horse in a more parasympathetic state. Mm -hmm. So not necessarily prove that it lowered the heart rate, but like I wanted to see. And that was one of the markers for it. And I did on 12 horses, various workloads, various ages. Oh, my goodness. Excuse me. Um, Various lifestyle somewhere in pasture somewhere in a field somewhere in um like stalls somewhere in paddocks um i had different ages the youngest i worked with was two the oldest was cassie who was 25 um and i recorded their heart rate while i did this and i also recorded like their heart rate during um like the releases and stuff like that and what it showed was that they do lower on average it was a lowering of about uh seven beats per minute of their heart rate and 20 minutes of the bladder meridian technique um that is the masterson method and it was actually really interesting to see too because it would actually increase a little bit before we release and during the release and then it would lower again um and so that was really cool to see and that was my own like way of proving the woo because I'm kind of in this internal battle where I know the woo is there and I accept the woo. And there are days that I just look at my owners. I'm like, just let me do the woo woo thing. Cause I need to be here. I don't know what it is. It didn't palpate, but like I'm drawn to this area. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but there's also the part of me that's very scientific, very analytical, very mechanical. And so I try to marry the two and that definitely came out in my little research project that I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but like Jim has the three key junctions, right? And if we actually look at those, which are the pole, the shoulder, like lower neck, um, and then the hind end, like the lumbosacral area, mm-hmm. that's actually like where the nerve hubs of the body are. <laughs> that right. is 
like the lumbosacral plexus, the brachial plexus. There's all of these different things in these areas. And so it kind of makes you wonder, and I think of it as like a train track going through the body, and those are the central stations, because um, I like to think of things very automobile transportational, which is funny. Um, but so anything going on in those areas, and it might be organ, it might be structural, it might be whatever is going to show up in these hotspots more going back to the brain and the brain sending messages of how to deal with it, too. Um, and that's a very general statement there in my explanation, because I know we're not trying to talk about this for hours, and I'm not the one to do that in any justice. But um, it's interesting how the key junctions are the nerve hubs, which just reminds us of how connected the horse is. Right. Um, leg, bo like leg bones connected to the knee bone, right? Yes. And the ears and, <laughs> right. and the right. chief <laughs> and the shoulder on the other side. Yep. Um, and the other part to it, too, is like, you know, a horse that's stressed, they have more going on in their body in terms of being under like more of a sympathetic state, which is how they're coping with the stress. But then like, what all does that lead to in changes? Like, for example, ulcers, a horse with um, a higher stress load, I believe, from what I've read and understood, is more prone to having an increase in stomach acid production mm -hmm. or whatever. Like, so you talk about a horse that, you know, lifestyle changes with their ulcers. <laughs> Perhaps we need to look at the mental load that horse is on. And is that something like really tight muscles too, um, or misalignments and restrictions that are also coming up? Um, is it an energy balance? Is it a craniosacral rhythm issue there? What is it? Um, and I'm not an expert. In all Sometimes of these it's D, all of the above, and we can't yes. fix it in one session. Here's something people don't understand about the horse's nervous system: is that you know we know they're like we know the flight fight response, right? But what they don't understand is for them to to get out of that mode, the, a horse needs to be able to run in a straight mm -hmm. line for a mile. Now. Mm -hmm. For people who don't know how long a mile is, that's like a good like 160 acre property, right? How yes. many of these horses turnout is 160 acres, right? Mm -hmm. Their turnouts, a lot of them are like the round pen for an hour a day. Some of them don't even get turned out. Some of them are just mm -hmm. living in teeny tiny pens. I used to live in Arizona and you see a lot of that. Um, so, so when they're not able to run, in a straight line for a mile they're constantly in that flight or fight mode so that's mm -hmm. where the body work comes in especially i find it most helpful with the energy work to rebalance that nervous system mm -hmm. and that's one thing i like about masterson method because i don't have to put on my energy work hat necessarily and i don't think you do either but it's nice because even like the owners you know Go spend the 20 minutes, 45 minutes, doing a bladder meridian on one half of your horse. It's great if you can do both sides, but you don't have to. And see what all changes, because a lot of it is mental. A lot of it is physical um, and emotional. Like, you do lower that, because you can't separate the body's physical stuff with their mental stuff and their, like, energetic stuff. I would say it's all different, like all different entities that are also interconnected that you can't separate um, necessarily or need to separate. As long as you help one, you're helping the others. 
Would you say that's true? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. So I think I could sit here and talk to you for hours and maybe we will have to do that again. Um, but for the sake of my uh, storage space, when I download this, I think we need to, to um, kind of do a little summation and bring it to a close. But one of the things I want to end with is that we kind of touched on it a little bit about talking about maintenance and management. And I see it all the time. People wait until they have a problem, right? Don't do that. Let's <laughs> wait till they, well, let's, they don't, they don't bring in the body worker or anything until they have a problem. Sometimes the problems aren't fixable at that point. And then they get upset because, Oh, I paid all this money for this and this woo woo crap and it didn't work. And I, I want to mm -hmm. encourage people and I'm sure you'll back me up is like, is, um, it, you need to be doing body work with your horse as a maintenance thing. The Chinese say you need to do at least four times a year, like with the change of every season. From your experience, what, it, what are you finding? Do you, would people wait till they have a problem to call you? Yes, and then it's triaging, and it might be a month and a half before I will actually see the horse because I want them to chase down the other rabbit holes and get everything else in a better place for, for, to maximize the results. and the economics of it. Um, I will say too, there are perks to regular body work. It's not necessarily that you need to see me every week. <laughs> Please don't. I really don't want to do that. Um, I don't have the time for that or the energy for that. And honestly, <laughs> I feel like a lot of horses don't need it necessarily that fast. Um, that doesn't mean that when they get introduced to a program like mine, I don't necessarily won't see them every week. I'll see them every week, every two weeks, every three weeks. We'll push it out as we make progress, but it depends on the horse. I will say a lot of people, they expect it to be a one and done and in an hour's time, and that's not the case. And you'll notice in my marketing, I don't show necessarily before and after changes in only an hour. I really like to capitalize on what we can do with a horse in a matter of six months to a year mm -hmm. with everything and the full approach because Otherwise, you're just setting yourself up for failure as much as it is unfortunate to hear. Um, and, you know, like the part of it, too, is having a horse on a maintenance session is really nice because I can tell when something's different. There's, it's not been abnormal for me to be like, ah, what happened? And they're like, oh, this happened. Actually, is that bothering them? And I'm like, yeah, or I think that's a strong possibility. Right. Or, you know, there are like Jim talks about horses on the show circuit that get injections and, you know, they might get them every six months and around month four and a half, he's like, that's an issue again, something's bothering them here. Um, and not necessarily pinpointing it and saying it's only there. But if you notice them and you see them regularly and twice, four and a half months in on an injection schedule, you see the same pattern pop up and it goes away when they're injected, you can start heading that off and telling the owner like, Hey, I've noticed this a few times. Maybe we should try bumping it up, see what your vet thinks, stuff like that. Um, and I think that's an important factor too, is one, I can notice when something's changed. Um, you change a bit, I will notice, <laughs> odds are. Um, and like, I can tell when something has changed in their body, like something's bothering them a little more, a little less. Um, and that's good feedback to give the owner to keep them on the right track. And that's not even necessarily just body work progress. I mean, it might be something that they're doing training-wise, and if I can help shape that and be like, yeah, your horse's body is really digging that, then I feel like that's a great thing to do. Um, I don't know. What else can I add to that? I think I, think I covered a lot there. <laughs> so um, do you want to leave us with some final words just to sum all of this up, some, some equine wisdom and 
wellness for us? Um, I guess I would say, like, I don't think body works woo. It is woo, but it's not woo. Um, and you know what? If you have to accept the voodoo to do it, then accept the voodoo and do it. Get out of your box and get over yourself and help yeah, your horse. Um, you know, outside the box, like you have this issue and you want to think outside the box. Well, we got to get you out of the box to actually be successful there. Um, I don't know. Uh, I think the biggest thing is a lot of people need to trust their intuition. And a lot of my owners have started trusting their intuition. And it's amazing what happens with that. And that doesn't mean you have to be an intuitive healer or anything. But if you're like, wow, I noticed this and I think it's related to that. Just own it and run with it. Because I'm always telling people like, yeah, I think you're onto something. Um, And, you know, being more accepting of the different options that are out there too. um, And just striving to do your best. So not necessarily being like, well, this is what we've always done. So this has to work. There are lots of options out there and there's a time and place for everything. Agreed. Agreed. So you are in Laramie, Wyoming and you serve the entire state, Northern Colorado. Where else do you travel? I have actually come up near you before, um, up in Minot, North Dakota. I have a couple people up there mm-hmm. that are friends that have had me come up. Um, cover northwest colorado so steamboat down to grand junction where else do i go front range of denver i try to stay out of that but i will go there um and otherwise a lot of wyoming is my territory right now i'm the only mmcp in the state um there's a lot of up and coming which i'm super excited about it's been fun to see that transpire um as i work Mm -hmm. um i've led a couple people through the two days with my wonderful instructor friend. Um, basically, it was kind of like me assisting her and we kind of co-taught. Um, and I'm excited to see that because there's quite a few that are wanting to do the program now that they're getting more aware of it. Um, but that's another avenue as well. And so right now, I just make regular trips around Wyoming, which is gorgeous and then kind of grueling at times when all of a sudden a snowstorm pops up. <laughs> right. Or or when the interstates shut down because of wind advisories. Yeah, that was the uh, last time I saw a friend of yours. <laughs> yeah, it was the last time you were at Schroeder Stables. I remember that. Mm-hmm. So um, if anybody wants to find you, where can they find you, Lindsay? Um, if you were to find me, uh, I would say on my website, which is www.elevatedequine.com pb.com so elevated equine performance body work um the horses always get really high with me (laughs) and feel good and that's part of it um but also just the fact that you know we i strive to think outside the box and really integrate everything and i think that that is the key to the long-term wellness um and then everything i do is performance-based need as well so that's the name and then also we're on facebook and instagram and that's elevated equine pb or the, I guess that'd be like my tagline. I don't know what it is. <laughs> That's okay. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for the work you do and that you're putting out yeah. to the horse world. And thank you for sharing your Tuesday morning with us. And I hope the, the listeners enjoyed our talk as much as yeah. I did. And thank I, you so much. Oh, you're very welcome. All right. Until next time, everybody, enjoy your horse.